Stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, visit www.3cr.org.au. Five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Welcome to the Radioactive Show. I'm AC. First up, I want to acknowledge that I'm living, working and making community radio on Wurundjeri land of the Kulin Nations, who have never ceded sovereignty. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. On today's Rad Show, we're marking Sorry Day and 21 years since the Bringing Them Home report was tabled in Parliament. To mark the occasion, I want to share with you an interview with Auntie Hazel Collins, who is one of the founders of Grandmothers Against Removals in New South Wales. In 2014, Auntie Hazel initiated the Grandmothers Against Removals movement after another of her grandsons was removed. She wanted to speak out about the injustice and what she calls the malpractice of child welfare officers. This interview was recorded and originally played by the Central Australian Aboriginal Media Association, or CARMA, with host Tegan Hughes. Annie Hazel starts off by talking about Sunrise's notorious comments on child removals. And like my daughter, Helen, sent me the thing, you know, about Sunrise and... oh. Oh, I tell you what, if I was in a room with these people, I'd remind them that their ancestral settlers would be so proud of them, and I'd ask them what they thought of their ancestral settlers, you know, like, apologise to all those people like my ancestors back in those mass graves, and ask them how, how do they condone the rape, their settlers raped our women, you know, and as far as taking the kids for their own good, no, that wasn't what was going on. They're talking about something they know nothing about. And oh, and as far as this forced adoption thing, oh, my God. I mean, they go on about Aboriginal people. Well, there's no mention about the black, I call it black deaths in custody, where our children are being killed in out-of-home care and nothing's been done about it. You know, our children being raped and physically abused and mentally abused in out-of-home care, and these are with white people, hello, like, you know, and they don't talk about the non-Aboriginal families that have had children removed. All the focus is on Aboriginal children and us as Aboriginal people unfit to raise children across the board. Oh, don't get me started on my soapbox, darling. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually exactly why I'm here, though, is to give you that soapbox and let you uh, let you say what you need to say because these are... These are issues that have affected your family personally, you know. You're That's not... right. My grandmother was removed, her and her sister, many years ago, and they were put in Cootamundra. And in actual fact, my, my grandmother was a result of an Irish man raping her mother. 
and she was extremely fair. And needless to say, he didn't hang around with Daddy. And she, her and her sister, who was a lot darker than her, were removed and put in Cootamundra. And they weren't there for years. They did escape. But, like, some of the things my grandmother used to say um, about how they were treated in there. And then I became a grandmother of children removed. And it's not how these so-called good doers portray what actually happened and why. So let's let's talk a little bit about yeah, right now. What what is the state of affairs looking like for Aboriginal children in out of home care? How how prevalent actually is this? It's very very widespread. The children being placed in out of home care. Um, the damage that is done to these children by having them removed to start with and the way that removal occurs, where they're placed, dispossession of family members. No family member is suitable to have these children. They're put in out-of-home care with whoever the department deems fit um, it, it is a myth that they're, they're placed with family because we're nine times out of ten deemed unfit. The trauma of the removal alone is lifelong, not only for the child but for the family and communities. When they're put in out-of-home care, quite often they're abused. The department does nothing about it, despite the calls from families and parents showing concern and these children are given an 18 year sentence for doing nothing wrong. In a lot of cases the parents have done nothing wrong. Now we're not we're not nor ever have said that at no time is it necessary to remove a child. We've never ever said that. We've always acknowledged that there are times when the family is in crisis. But in saying that, that doesn't mean that they have to be removed and put in out-of-home care. They can be placed within their own community. I think that's one of the strongest points about your movement and the fact that it's grandmothers against removals. When people think about the relationship that gets severed, they think of the mother and the child bond but it's actually so much more than that. Grandparents lose their grandchildren. Aunties lose their nephews and nieces. You know, the pain is felt throughout a family and a community, not just that that singular relationship. That's right. Like the, um, here in New South, the, the department is called Family and Community Services. Um, I find that laughable in the sense that they do not assist families or communities. They have a process that they have to go through prior to any removal. They bypass that process altogether. The first response is the removal. And often that is a Friday afternoon. Several police are present as well as several docks workers. Now, they do that because there's no way in the world a family can initiate legal activity 
until the Monday. So that leaves the families and communities in a distressful situation for an entire weekend not knowing where their babies have gone or who they're with. They don't put them straight away with Aboriginal families, if they do at all. They nine times out of ten put them with non-Aboriginal families there is a sibling policy within a department that they keep siblings together. That also doesn't occur. They split those children up. So these children are not knowing what's going on, why they've been taken, why they're put with other people. And often it's months before the parents even get to see these children and then it's in a little tiny room supervised. So with that, if the children ask, can I come home, Mum? You're not allowed to answer that question. You're not allowed to ask where they are, who they're with, are they okay? Because if you do, your visit is terminated. You're not allowed to take photos or anything. You're not even allowed to give them a letter. Otherwise, it's taken and put in their file and your visit's terminated. So all these things, why you have people, you know, jumping up and down in the air and saying all this is justified, well, no, I'm sorry, but this is our reality, not theirs. They know nothing about what they're talking about. We live this. These people need to sit down on the ground with Aboriginal people and talk to them so they can be a little bit better informed than listening to the department. I just wanted to ask, what is the sort of age groups that we're talking about, these children who are taken away from their families for periods of months here? Children, babies can be taken at birth from the hospital and they're placed in out-of-home care. Now, that's not necessarily with family. The department deems the whole family is unsuitable. And that's sort of what their loophole to get around the National Indigenous Child Placement Principle. They just deem the whole family unsuitable. I myself was deemed unsuitable to have my grandchildren. And I have 36 grandchildren. I raised seven and gathered two along the way. And yet I was deemed unsuitable. I could have all my other grandchildren in my home except one set. And they told me I was not suitable. Mm-hmm. They didn't even know me, yet they make that judgment. Yeah, was there any form of assessment that they came to you with paperwork to fill out or a survey? or How, how did they have information about you to decide whether you were or weren't uh, suitable? Yeah, that's just what they said up front. I requested within minutes. Um, of my first two grandchildren being removed um, to have them. I drove over to Tamworth the day after and gave them a letter which they signed, uh, which they stamped and signed as received to state that I wanted them under kinship. I did a working with children's check and my husband did as well and we were both deemed unsuitable even though the working with children's check came back clear. They tell you, when you question why, they tell you they don't have to answer that. They also don't have to answer why they removed the children, except to say 
that they have risks, yet you're not told those risks. Nor does it seem like the family's getting the support to reduce those risks. Instead, the the answer is just to remove a child. Yes. Mm. And, the, and like the child isn't just taken from mum and dad or, you know, they're, they're taken from everybody. Like I didn't get to get my my grand, grandchildren came back to me prior to their mum getting them back. Um, it was just over six years. Mm. And I find the whole process of having to be assessed by a department that fails and indulges in criminal activity, um, I find it offensive that we have to be assessed under their regime because the whole system is flawed and it fails. So therefore, they can determine whether we pass that assessment as family members or we don't. We we have no comeback if they say, no, you failed. The only reason, like, I have no illusions as to why my grandchildren were given to me. Um, the only reason they were given to me was because of my involvement with Grandmothers Against Removals. Not because they felt it was the right thing to do. I guess we should talk a little bit about the history of Grandmothers Against Removals. And you've already mentioned there's more than one of your grandchildren that had been taken into out-of-home yes. custody. Can you tell us a little bit of that backstory and then how you came to form Grandmothers Against Removals? In January 2014, my last little grandchild was taken from his mum. He was 15 months old. At that removal, I was present. Um, she already had three other children removed and placed in out-of-home care. At that removal, there were eight, nine police and four docks workers to remove a 15-month-old baby. It was extremely traumatic. And just something snapped inside of me and... I promised my daughter that we would get him back. So I made some phone calls and that was the day that Grandmothers Against Removals started. We had our first rally on the 14th, 13th of February 2014 to expose the criminal activities of a department that has failed our people since invasion. And since that time, I'm very proud to say that a lot of people have stood up. Like my daughter, we, we knew there were other people out there that had their children removed by by docs. But there, there was a certain amount of shame attached that people look at you and, oh, you know, you must have done something wrong. You must have deserved to have your children taken. We didn't realise the statistics of how many children now, with shame, we don't own the shame. The department does. They are the ones that are failing our people. We're angry at what's happening and what still goes on. Even as we speak today, somewhere out there, there's a little baby. And I'll say baby, regardless of age, 
um, will be taken by a department, all under the guise of child protection. I'm very proud to say that I've met some wonderful, strong people that didn't feel that they could do this, that they could stand up and say, this is, I'm affected by this. To me, the department is a disease that needs to be eradicated. And we, as First Nation people, there's not one of us that somewhere in our history have not been touched and tainted by this department. So we have to stand up as one, not as individuals, and give our babies out there a voice and show them that we are out there fighting for them. We haven't abandoned them. We love them. We want them. They need to be back where they belong so that they can grow up not being ashamed of who they are, but walk beside us as strong Aboriginal adults and proud of who and where they come from. It's upsetting, but things need to be said. And the thing is... We've had the Bringing Them Home report. The government's invested billions into finding out what happens when thousands of Aboriginal children are brought up outside their culture and outside their families, and it's destructive. We've done the research. And, you, you know, like, yes, they they did all that investigation. They invested so much money into it, but I, I have a great deal of issue with royal commissions from the sense that they bring out these outcomes that have to be done, but they don't enforce. Mm. So they just fall on deaf ears. They're just sitting there. They're not, you know, they talk about closing the gap. Well, my God, the gap is getting wider and, you know, you could drive the Pacific Ocean through it because nothing's getting done. There's no accountability on governments to, to force that they, they follow through. And, and those are the issues that I have, you know, sinking money into all of this and then have it go nowhere. I worked as a bringing them home counsellor years ago and the trauma, like, as an Aboriginal person, I, I know. But hearing from people, you know, what what's happened, some people are ashamed, they never go home. They also don't understand they go into, they trade one institution, which is a department, and then they go on to commit crimes, they end up in jail. So all they're doing is changing one institution for another, but they don't understand why. And this all comes back to trauma. You know, they commit suicide because they don't know how to cope. And for adults, like you have a baby removed from your arms, and then you're confronted with an 18, 20-odd-year-old adult. In in a mother's eyes, she still sees that baby. All those years in between is heartache. How do you reconcile losing a baby and then be confronted with an adult? You know in your heart that's your baby, that's your blood. But there's been so much gone in between. That's if they get to meet their parents. I had a lady a few years back come up to me and wrap her arms around me and 
cry and say thank you. I didn't understand why she was saying thank you, so I asked. She was removed as a little girl. And she said to me, I wish someone had fought for me, like you fight for for all the little children. And I was very upset. And I said to her, darling, your mum and your dad and your family would have been forever lasting, looking at that horizon, hoping you'd come home. Her mum passed away months before she got to meet her. And she was an older lady. She was a nana self. And that is the saddest thing, that she felt she needed to say thank you. They didn't have the ability to fight back in them day when she would have been a little girl. But we do now, because sad thing is for the government, they taught us how to read and write and have a mouth. That's Auntie Hazel Collins speaking with Tegan Hughes. The Grandmothers Against Removals movement is converging on Canberra for Sorry Day this year. You can follow their progress on Facebook. Search for gmar.grandmothersagainstremovals. And that's gmar.grandmothersagainstremovals with no gaps. I'm AC and you've been listening to The Radioactive Show. This show was produced at 3CR in Nam, Melbourne with the financial support of Ace Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth. We distribute it across these stolen lands that we call Australia on the Community Radio Network. You'll find The Radioactive Show online at 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive, and that's three the digit. And you can also get in touch with us by looking us up on Facebook or via email at radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. And again, it's three the digit. Thanks to Karma Radio for providing the interview used in this show. Before I go, I wanted to mention this great event coming up in Melbourne. On June 5th, World Environment Day, leading activists from Friends of the Earth Melbourne, the Wilderness Society, Bob Brown Foundation and Sea Shepherd Australia will join together for a panel discussion called Campaigning for the Earth, Key Elements for Success. Gillian Marsh, Adyamanya traditional owner, academic, long-time nuclear-free activist and ACE nuclear-free collective member, might I add, will be taking part to share her wisdom on fighting the nuclear industry in South Australia. It's going to be a great event, taking place at Loop Project Space and Bar, 23 Myers Place in the city, here in Nam, Melbourne, on Tuesday, June 5th, kicking off at 6pm. Hope to see you there. Let's go out on a beautiful song from the Mission Songs Project CD, The Songs Back Home. You can learn more about the Mission Songs Project on their website, missionsongsproject.com. The song I'd like to share with you is Now is the Hour Medley, and it features Lou Bennett, Lee Flanagan, and Mary Rose Paul. Thanks for listening, and here's to a nuclear-free future.
Have you heard about 3CR's national programs? Coming at you on community radio stations around Australia, produced in the studios of 3CR Melbourne. Services will be cut, jobs may well be lost and workers' entitlements will be undermined. Their basic human rights are as important as everyone else. Over 200 million years, individual species have evolved. I mean, birds were once dinosaurs. Anything nasty online seems to be targeted against women. Muckety is a bad deal, but Muckety is absolutely not a done deal. You're listening to Women on the Line. Welcome again to Lost in Science. And welcome to another edition of the Radioactive Show. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Accent of Women. Anarchist Wall this week. Listen to Beyond Zero, global warming science, solutions and action. You are listening to Let the Bands Play. Tune in to Stick Together, Worker Stories and Union News. Grassroots Voices broadcast weekly on the Community Radio Network. Fight for your mic. Donate now to 3CR's annual Radiothon. Call 9419 8377 or go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate to pledge your donation and help 3CR give a voice to those not represented in the mainstream media. Want to hear us slam the atomic industry? Then tune into the radioactive show on 3CR 10 a.m. Saturdays. Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We rely on the financial support of listeners like yourself to keep going. If you'd like to support diverse voices on your radio, go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.